Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Mission Ebenezer Family Church. I said, good morning, people of God. It's great to be back in the house of the Lord today. It is. It is. It's been a couple of weeks, not used to being away that long, but I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for life. Those of you who may not know, um, our family got hit with the COVID bug and got me pretty good. Um, I had 10 days of fever and chills and body aches and finally went to the hospital and um, was able to um, get some antibiotics and just try to change up some things and mix it up. And, and thankfully, within a couple of days, I started to feel better and come out of that. So um, we've been following online and following the messages. Um, want to thank all of our leaders, all of our pastors, our, our, our uh, behind the scenes crew for uh, for serving, for being here, for being faithful. Our musicians who have continued to, to set the tone in worship and praise. Let's, let's give everybody that have been serving here at the house these last several weeks just a great big round of applause. And I bless you, church, and I, I, I welcome you here to God's house. Um, praise the Lord. It's so good to, to be here back in the pulpit, um, getting my legs back under me. That was a good... Um, week of work back here at the church office, um, getting back into the swing of things. Praise the Lord. So I, I, in a way, I kind of want to say Happy New Year to everybody because it's my first Sunday back. And so Happy New Year, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you know, the, the Bible says that many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord orders his steps. The Lord orders the steps of his people, according to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. You know, we would have loved to have had a, a full house of Prayer Mountain here at the church five days in a row, the first week of January to pray in the new year. And the Lord said, ah, you guys stay at home and pray. And this is going to be our way of, of coming into the new year. And, and sometimes we have to be obedient. <coughs> we have to be obedient to what God is doing. Sometimes we try to get, we try to take things into our own hands. We try to take control over things. And the Lord says, ah, just relax. I'm still in charge. I'm large and in charge, as a matter of fact. Amen. Just getting out all the cobwebs. We'd like to ask for your prayers for the Rizzo family. Raise your hand, Brother Will. He and his wife, Yenny, are standing in the gap. For their son, Isaiah. How many months is Isaiah? He's, he'll be six months this month. He's had several, several challenges with his health. He's been having um, seizures. And he has stopped breathing a couple of times. And this past week, they had to rush the baby to the hospital. They were near Chalk, Children's Hospital of Orange County. They happened to be awake after 11 o'clock at night. They were at a at a uh, at a gathering, a, a church gathering um, in Orange County, receiving prayer, and they happened to be awake after 11 p.m. At which point, Will recognized that the baby was turning blue. Had they been asleep, we don't even want to go there. But the Lord was with you and Mama, and there was an emergency nurse on hand there at the service that they attended that continue to assist the family through CPR. I want to thank God, first of all, for that moment. And then we, I want to ask you, church, to join in the, with the Rizzo family in praying for baby Isaiah. Amen? So we're going to pray right now. 
um, in just a moment. Also, the Lopez family lost their father. Jesse, our condolences to you. We love you. Your family means a lot. And uh, we're sorry about your loss. And so we're lifting you guys up in prayer as well. Uh, praise the Lord. God will provide your, your every need in your situation. And finally, we're going to lift up the Figueroa family. Pastor Manuel and his family, um, they're sick. They came down also with this virus. It's been spreading fast. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, so we pray that the symptoms are not heavy symptoms. We pray that if anybody does come in contact with that you overcome it in Jesus' name. And if, if you should desire prayer, whether it's COVID or anything else, please contact the church front office. Call us or email us at info at missionebenezer.org. We'd like to know how we can pray. If you'd like to be on our church prayer chain, we can send out our prayer request to our whole church as we lift up the needs of our people. And don't be shy if you ever, ever have a need. Sometimes people get COVID and you feel like you got leprosy. And you don't want to tell anybody. You want to keep it under wraps. And don't tell anybody. I have it. And man, forget that. Forget that, man. Let people know you're sick so we can pray. How will we know to pray? How will we know what to pray for if we stay quiet and close lip or close mouth? But the Lord wants us to call out our petitions unto the Lord. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But through prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving for our healing, let your requests be made known unto God so that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and your mind. I'm going to add this, and your body through Christ Jesus our Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You have to pray the scripture. You got to know the scripture in order to pray the scripture, which is why we have to be faithful, believers, Bible believing men and women of God so we can run to the word of God because the Bible says that the word is a refuge and a strong tower unto us. Amen? So I want to encourage you, don't hold back. If you have a prayer request unrelated to a, a, a poignant illness, maybe it's a long-term illness, let us know so we can continue to pray with you and your family because only God knows what you guys are going through at that moment. And we, the body, your family, we want to know how we can join you in that prayer and maybe help meet the needs that you may have. Amen? So would you join with me in prayer? We're going to pray for the Rizzos and baby Isaiah, that the Lord would show the doctors what is going on in his, his mind, his brain, and why these seizures are happening. Pray the Lord touches his body completely from head to toe. We also pray for... For baby Trinity Salgado, that the Lord will continue to watch over her, Father God. Just heal her, Lord Jesus. Open her, her, her hearing canals, her ear canal, so that you can open up hearing unto her heart, Lord Jesus, my goddaughter. Lord, we lift up the Lopez family, and you meet them at the point of their need and their brokenness and their loss. We lift up the Figueroas and, and anybody else, Father, that may be going through sickness and disease, Right now in the name of Jesus. Father, you're the God who heals. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who healeth his people, Israel. And so, Lord, we call upon you right now and ask that you would bring healing unto us. In the name of Jesus, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19 say, Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Somebody say a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The prophet Isaiah, while ministering to the people in exile, reminds them that they are to put their trust in God and not to look at their circumstances or their situation. You see, young people sometimes go through things and they're the quiet bunch. Teenagers are the quiet ones that swallow all of their emotions. They swallow all of their anxiety, their stress. Oh, they may not have a job yet like the rest of us grown folks, but teenagers deal with a whole lot of stress as it relates to school, as it relates to grades, as it relates to their their future, as it pertains to their assignments. How many of you know that teenagers carry lots of things in their hearts, in their sweet little hearts? That's kind of dead. How many of you know that, that our young people go through things whether they voice it, voice it or not? So God wants to make sure that we come alongside our young people. We check in with our young people and ask them how they're doing so that we can assist them based on their situation. Isaiah says, don't, don't focus on your situation. Moms are dealing with trying to keep healthy, their family healthy, the kids to school, the family fed, dads holding down their jobs, trying to be healthy and being the man that God has called them to be. We're all in process. Amen. We're all in process. I thank God that we're all in process. And while we're in process, God is bringing us to the point of progress. God wants to bring us to a place of progress in our lives. <clears throat> in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. holiday that we observe here in the United States of America, it happens to be the same day as my birthday, January 15th. I'd like to read a quote from an excerpt from Strength to Love. It's a compilation of sermons that Martin Luther King Jr., the pastor, the preacher, the reverend doctor, preached. And then they would transcribe it onto paper after he preached. And this is what he says. Let us notice, finally, that God is able to give us interior resources. Somebody say interior resources. To confront the trials and difficulties of life. Each of us faces circumstances in life that compel us to carry heavy burdens of sorrow. Adversity assails us with hurricane force. Glowing sunrises are transformed into the darkest nights. 
Our highest hopes are blasted and our noblest dreams are shattered. Christianity has never overlooked these experiences. They come inevitably. You know, if you're a new believer, sometimes we're going through that honeymoon stage where everything is going well and things are looking great until we hit that, that, that black ice on the road, until we hit that rough patch in life. And then we experience that life still touches us all regardless of our faith, our convictions, or where we are with God. Life happens. Amen? Like the rhythmic alternation in the natural order, life has the glittering sunlight of its summers and the piercing chill of its winters. Days of unutterable joy are followed by days of overwhelming sorrow. Life brings periods of flooding and periods of drought. When these dark hours of life emerge, many cry out with Paul Lawrence Dunbar, a crust of bread and a corner to sleep in, a minute to smile and an hour to weep in, a pint of joy to a peck of trouble, and never a laugh, but the moans come double, and that is life. Amen. You're like, Pastor, where is the hope in that? That's not the point of this excerpt. The point of this excerpt is that God is calling each and every one of us to press on. Nevertheless, we press on. Repeat this with me, church. Say, I press on. Church, nevertheless, we press on as a people being a part of the the children of Israel. We press on. The Apostle Paul then reminds us in the spirit of Isaiah. Let us read from Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through chapter 4, verse 1. It says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through Christ, through faith. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. How many of you want to know Christ? Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship of his suffering in Latin is societas passion. The fellowship of his suffering. What does it mean as a believer that we embrace the weather, the the storms of life, that we embrace the challenges of life, the adversities of life, that we we embrace the difficulties of life? What is it about the Christian faith that we are able to confront these situations in our lives with joy? Amen. 
Because not everybody knows how to deal with trials. Not everybody knows how to go through tribulation. Not, not everybody knows how to go, go through loss, through death, through dying. The Word of God instructs us on these things. Paul says, the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Oh, man. Come on, Paul. Becoming like Christ in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Praise the Lord. The resurrection from the dead. That's not a negative connotation. It's speaking of the resurrection power. Speaking of the fact that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he got up. He rose, he rose from the dead in order to give us life. Amen. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So the moment you put your trust in Jesus, Jesus took hold of you. And Jesus began to prepare you and to steady your life, to steady your heart, to steady your mind for the things that you were going to experience. For the things that you were going to encounter Jesus grabbed a hold of you. And since Jesus grabbed hold of you, he has not let you go. Jesus continues to hold on to you and me and his church. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And straining toward what is ahead. Somebody say, what's ahead? Straining, Paul says. The Greek meaning of straining here is like an athlete when it's running to the end of the tape. A track athlete. When they start to strain, they start to run. and they're, or, or a football player is trying to run all the way through the end zone without having anybody catch them. That's what it means to strain and move and push. Paul says, I strain. The Greek word for press on, diokos, it means to pursue, to press on. It, it means to go after with conviction. It means to attain that which is good because you have experienced and you know that it is good, so you go after it with intent. The word diokos also means that you go after something as to persecute as to not let go because of your convictions. So it, it also has a negative connotation. But here Paul is referring to the chasing after that which God has called us. Amen? I press on. Dioko. Toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Somebody say heavenward. Heavenward doesn't mean that you're on your deathbed and you see the light and all of a sudden God's coming for you. That's not what heavenward means here. Heavenward means here, as soon as you give your life to Christ, now you are on a trajectory towards heaven. You're on a trajectory towards God. You're on a trajectory and you're on a new walk. You're on a new path. You're, you're on a new program. You're on a new system. 
You know, right now at the beginning of the year, everybody's on a new diet. Everybody's on the, the new fasting, intermittent fasting diet. Everybody's on a new, a new, a new system. Everybody's trying st- something new to try and get different results. But in the faith, you don't need to, to try different things. Just go straight back to the Word of God, back to basics. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Hasn't changed in thousands of years. Run to Jesus. Run to the cross of Calvary. Don't stay at the cross, but go through the power of the resurrection and the empty tomb. Can I hear an amen? Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Oh yeah, it's so easy for you to say, Paul. So easy for you to say you press on. Well, actually, it wasn't easy for Paul. It was not easy at all. The Apostle Paul was writing from a Roman prison cell. And he was writing to the people in Philippi. Anybody know anything about Philippi? It was named after Philip of Macedon, one of the great rulers and conquerors of the Greek Empire, just before the Romans conquered everything that had belonged to Greece. Alexander the Great succeeded Philip of Macedon, from which Philippi, this city that Paul is writing to here in the book of Philippians. So we call Philippians one of the prison epistles. One of the prison epistles. An epistle simply means letter. So Paul is writing a letter to Philippi. He's writing a letter to Philippi in response to Epaphroditus, who had come to Rome to tell him of the situation that was going on there in Philippi. Now I want you to understand the context from which Paul is writing and to whom he's writing and why he's writing. If you want to make a biblical parallel, you can... Study the book of Acts chapter 16. You don't have to go there now. Because then you'll get distracted and you won't listen to the word. But write down in your notes. You can go to your church app, the Mission La Mission, download it on your app store. And there you can go to your notes section on our church app. And you can write all the notes. You can go back to them later. We have an amazing team. We want you to grow. We want you to be a student of the word of God. The letter to Philippians very well could be a letter that is being written to those first Christians that Paul reached or the disciples of those first and early Christians at Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, one of the very first persons that gave their life to Jesus was Lydia. Somebody say Lydia. Now, do you guys know about Lydia? You want to know about Lydia? Lydia was a wonderful woman of God, even before she met Jesus. She was a businesswoman. And Paul was was traveling all throughout the Mediterranean region. And he was going on and traveling with, with Silas. So he had a big crew with him. And they're traveling all throughout the known Roman world. And in a dream, 
Paul had a vision of the man from Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia was saying, come here to Macedonia. Come over to Macedonia. And so Paul understood that God was speaking to him and ministering to him through this dream, this vision, while he was asleep, seeing this man, this shadow in Macedonia, calling him over. Now, how many of you guys ever experienced the Holy Spirit working in your life or in the life of others or people around you before God actually showed up and actually did the very thing or the very work that we would then recognize and, and experience? The Holy Spirit goes before us. The Holy Spirit interacts with the world, you guys, before we even get there. The Holy Spirit was already working in Macedonia. So Paul and, and all of his crew, they said, let's, let's go to Philippi. They get to Philippi near Thyatira. And while they're in, they're in Philippi and they're ministering, they wanted to leave the city gates to get away from the busyness of things. And Paul was probably doing both, handling business, selling tents, fabric, engaging with Philippi, the people of Philippi, because it was a, a huge trading city. It was a very influential city, Philippi. Actually, it was one of the, the high points of society for the Greeks when before the Romans took over that whole region. Are you following me so far? So it was one of the more influential cities there, and it continued to be an influential Roman colony, which means after Rome had taken over the whole area, they continued to have tremendous influence. And so the trade routes continue to go through Philippi and that whole region of Macedonia. Somebody say Macedonia. Paul and the, and the folks said, okay, it's time for us to take a break. We need to go, hey, we've been busy. We've been caught up. You know, the kids have had homework. They've had games. They have practices. We've been grocery shopping. We're back to work, so on and so forth. Guess what happened? Paul says, we got to go retreat. They said, let's go outside of the city gates. And so sure enough, they leave outside the city gates of Philippi. Down by the river. Somebody say the river. As they went down by the river looking for a place to pray, they found, in my opinion, the women's chamber of commerce. Women that were meeting outside of the city together, discussing everything that they needed to discuss and being able to have a cohort of women that could encourage one another, so on and so forth. And as they were, as they were doing that down by the river, Lydia, who was a trader of purple cloth, fine linen, she stumbled upon Paul and the believers who, who were there and who had begun to pray. As they were praying and as they were singing, Lydia and others started to come closer to hear what they were talking about because the Bible says that she was a woman of God or a God-fearer. At which point, Paul directed his attention from prayer and began to minister the gospel to Lydia. 
as he began to minister the gospel and explain who Jesus was and that Jesus was the God that she feared and that she worshipped, she became a believer. In other words, she became a believer through a listening ear and an open heart, experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit that had gone before Paul and his company. Isn't that a blessing? This woman, Lydia, who received Jesus and heard the gospel right there down by the river comes to faith. And sure enough, the scripture says, she comes to Paul and says, if you trust me and if you believe that I am now a follower and a believer of Jesus, I'd like to welcome you all to come and stay at my compound. She must have had a big house. She invited Paul and all of his companions to come and stay with her. She was influential. She was wealthy. She was prosperous. And God wanted to use Lydia and everything that Lydia possessed for the glory of God. So I'd like to say that Lydia came to faith through intellect and reason. Because she was listening to Paul's preaching when she responded to the gospel. Amen. Come on, church, let's give the Lord a hand of praise right now. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I hear about people who gave their life to Jesus. Another Philippian story is also highlighted in Acts chapter 16 following the story of Lydia. And that's the story of the Macedonian jailer. How many of you have heard the, the story of the Macedonian jailer? Anybody raise your hand. If you, if you have never heard the story of the Macedonian jailer and you want to hear the story, say amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So Paul and, and his company are moving through Philippi and that whole region and they're ministering. They're praying for people. Folks are getting saved. And as they're casting out demons, Bible says that even the shadow of Paul and Peter and and the disciples would heal people. As they're walking, they began to follow him. A, a group of people began to follow him. And there was a young lady who was possessed with the spirit. She had a fortune-telling spirit. And she had, for lack of a better word, she had people who were pimping her out and who were using her gift, the spiritual gift, for monetary purposes. People would come to them and that they would have to pay these people, probably men, and this girl, like a, as a sorcerer, would then tell people their future. This young lady began to follow Paul and his, and the company of disciples with him. And as they would go around, she was saying, Behold, behold, here comes a man of God. Behold, this is a man of God. And she, she was just mocking. This, this evil, wicked spirit was mocking Paul and the believers. And, and, and finally the Bible says, after two days, can you believe Paul, Paul dealt with that for two days? Man, that brother had the gift of patience, didn't he? How many of y'all working on patience? I'm working on patience. Amen. I'm working on patience. I'm working on patience. I got patience. 1.0 patience. 2.0 patience. 3.0. Elisha, Judah, Lola. God's working on my patience. Paul, after the second day, multiple days of this young lady following them around, getting in the way, causing issues, causing problems, 
yelling at the top of her lungs. Paul finally says, stop. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. As he rebuked her, guess what? She was cleansed. The, the, the impure spirit left her body immediately. When Paul finally called her out, rebuked her. I'm, I, I don't, if we were doing a sit down Bible study and we had an hour and a half, I would really like to sit down and think about why Paul dealt with that and, 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 and suffered through that for so long. I would be curious to, to study. I, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be curious to study why Paul dealt with that? It, 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 it begs my, my curiosity and it makes me maybe think that that Paul, because he was in Philippi trying to make new believers, was trying to put on a good face, trying to have a good reputation, didn't want to ruffle any feathers. He knew what was going to happen the moment he rebuked that impure spirit. Similar to when Jesus cast out the legionnaire or cast out the, the, the evil spirits that was in the Gadarene demoniac in the Gospels. How many of you know that story? The moment Jesus cast out the demons from that man, and the demons fled and entered into a whole group of pigs and they ran off the cliff. The people of that city who were Gentile because they raised pigs came and wanted to kill Jesus and run him out of town because he, he was messing with their money. Similarly, Paul rebukes this impure spirit that this young lady carried was making her master's money. And the moment Paul cast out the demon, guess what happened? They stopped making money. Somebody say economics. So economics will, will make people do some pretty crazy things. Money will, will make people do some pretty interesting things. So at this point, this young lady is now delivered. She's free. She is no longer bound spiritually to her masters. She's no longer bound spiritually to the enemy, can I hear an amen? She's now delivered, and she's no longer being used as an instrument for evil, for darkness. Her masters go to the local officials, the Roman soldiers, and they have Paul and his company arrested and thrown into jail. As Paul and his company is thrown into jail unjustly, They said, well, we might as well make good use of the time. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, they began singing hymns, reciting, memorized psalms. They were praying. All the while, the guards and other prisoners had been listening to Paul and his company of disciples while they were in prison. Somebody say prison. Well, they were probably in a local jail at this moment. Whereas he's writing the letter to the church at Philippi from a Roman prison cell, which was most likely guarded by the Praetorian Guard, which is like the, the, the top of the top in terms of Roman soldiers. It wasn't just your, your local jailer. It wasn't your county jail. So it was like prison, and it was also guarded and manned by some of the best officers in all of Rome. You follow me? But at this point, Paul and them are at a local jail, house and they're sitting there they're, they're they began to have church while they're in jail 
And those of you who have had friends that or family that have been in jail, they've been in prison, sometimes folks get, you know, they encounter jailhouse conversion, jailhouse salvation. Jesus is the best thing when you're in jail, man. You get a, you get a, a, a green, a, a pass if you follow Jesus, if you serve Jesus. But this was no playing around. This wasn't just playing church. At which point Paul and his disciples were there in prison or in jail. There was an earthquake. The earthquake shook the whole place. As the earthquake shook the whole place, the doors of the, of the jail cell opened wide. And it was dark and it was at night. And nobody could see. And the main jailer, this Macedonian jailer, ran to the place. Couldn't see in because it was pitch black just assumed that the prisoners that he was guarding and that he was looking after with his life, somebody say with his life, with his life, pulled out his sword and he was about to fall on his sword because he just knew that his prisoners had fled when the, when the doors were broken open by that tremendous earthquake. By the way, how many of you guys have been feeling all those earthquakes over here in Carson? I'm going to do some research, man. Why are we having earthquakes in Carson, man? Stop all that fracking. No, I'm kidding. So watch this. As, as the jailer pulled out his sword, Paul and his company, in the depth of the dark room, could probably see through the shadows that came down the hallway saw him about to fall on his sword and Paul yelled out stop put away your sword do not harm yourself for we are all here he stopped. I don't even think he, he put his sword away. I think he just dropped the sword. The Bible says that he, they went back in there with light into the room where Paul and the disciples were. And as the, the light lit up the whole room, every single one of the prisoners were there in the room. Strikes me as interesting the fact that the man was going to fall on his sword without even checking with the light before wanting to harm himself because his life depended on it. Nonetheless, God wanted to use it for his glory. As the man saw Paul and all of his company and had put two and two together, connected all the prayers and all the singing and all the rejoicing that they had experienced while they had been there in jail, the jailer asked this simple question. What must I do to receive salvation? What must I do to receive salvation? And Paul says, believe on Jesus. Salvation is as simple as believing on Jesus. This, this Macedonian jailer came to faith through experience. Somebody say experience. What was going to be a terrible experience turned into a God experience. 
a godly experience, a positive experience. What, what, what the enemy meant for harm, God redeemed that moment and allowed for this Macedonian jailer to see that believers, Christians were people that you could trust, people that you could count on, people that, that were going to have integrity, people that were not going to run out the back door just because the doors of the jail had flown open during an earthquake. So it was through experience. Somebody say experience. It was through experience and the witness of the believers that the jailer came to faith. And Lydia came to faith through intellect and through the word. These people are the foundation and the core group of the church at Philippi. The first Christians here at Philippi that Paul is writing to. Let's pick back up right here. We're in, in chapter three. Look what it says. Verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Unless only let us live up to what we have already attained. 17. Join with others. This is what I love. In following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship, I love this verse. Highlight this in your Bible. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under, the, under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. At the head of this new year, Paul invites us into understanding how we are to perceive God, how we are to grow in Christ, how we are to stand firm in the faith, how we are to become mature. Somebody say mature. As he says in verse 15, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And God wants to mature you in your faith. God wants to help you grow in your faith. You know, when Paul and, and, and the rest of his disciples left Philippi after ministering the gospel, he left Lydia with the, the, the bare essentials of the faith where she was able to attach her faith to Christ. Paul left the Macedonian jailer and, and was able to, to communicate from afar the best that he could, the way that they should grow, the way that they should continue to follow Jesus. You know, sometimes God will remove people from your life and God removes those people from your life because it's time for you to grow. Sometimes God removes others from your covering so that you begin to walk 
on your own two feet and on your own will. God can only show you things and teach you things when you begin to experience God for the first time all by yourself. Teenagers, God wants you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Young teenagers, teenagers, I'm talking to you. Talking to you, teenagers. God wants you guys to have your own relationship. Children, God wants you to have your own relationship with Jesus. People of God. It's a scary thought when somebody thinks of losing their father or their mother. You may be a, 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 an adult in your middle age, and, and the thought of losing your elderly father or mother brings sadness, but it also brings doubt. It brings confusion. It brings questions. Will I be able to? And the answer is yes, because God is with you. And God will give you everything that you need. God will take you by the hand and he will become your father. God will take you by the hand and he will become your mother. God will take you by the hand and he will lead you through the storms of life. Hallelujah. God will show you at the head of this year, 2022, all things become new. God wants to show you how to become a more complete, a more mature Christian in your faith and in your walk with him. Hallelujah. Paul says, I press on. Whether you've experienced great things and have had wonderful logros, achievements, forget about all that. Because God wants to establish your today and your tomorrow. If you've had failures and, and you've not allowed yourself to be unshackled from your past, allow God to bring you into your present and into your future. That's what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God pulls us forward. How many of you know that you can't stay down? Can't stay broken. Or you can't, you can't rest on your laurels. You can't keep looking back on your past victories saying, well, that was me. And just sit around thinking that you can just skate through or make it through life on your past achievements. No. God wants to show us that every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a new beginning. Amen. In Christ. I'd like to finish with this story. Back in the late 1950s, my grand my grandparents were pastoring a church called Betania, which means Bethany. Betania Asambleas de Dios, Assemblies of God Church. And they ended up leaving that church. And they were very hurt, very discouraged because of what happened and the situation that they experienced. And they relocated from the Willowbrook area down here to the South Bay to the Harbor area into Harbor City where the, the old projects on PCH and Vermont used to be across from Kaiser. And it was there that my grandmother and grandfather came together my grandfather was most discouraged and he didn't want to minister. He didn't want to pastor anymore. Didn't want to be in the ministry. My grandfather came along. My grandmother came alongside him. And, and the way the story, the way I hear it, she said, Miguel, 
Es tiempo empezar otra obra. It's time for us to begin a new work. Now I can only imagine what the conversation looked like. Coming together, starting over. Of trying it again. Having to face a failure, or having to face just everything that they had gone through with their family, my aunt, my dad, and Amalisi, my other aunts. And at that point, having to trust God and his plan, having to trust God, even before they could see or realize anything that God wanted to do. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord orders what? His steps. The Lord orders the steps of his people. God is calling us as a church to step into new territory. God is calling us to take new ground for the Lord. God is calling us to expand. God is calling us to extend the cords of our tent. God is calling you to extend the cords of your faith. God is calling you to extend the cords of your belief. God is calling you to extend and to step out into areas and territories that you've never experienced. God is going to call you and God is going to bring you into that place because he knows what he has set aside for you already. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that Miguel and Lupe Canales obeyed and listened to the Lord because they began Mission Ebenezer, Mission Ebenezer 1.0. This church in 1959 began with just a couple of neighbors, a whole bunch of kids running around in the front yard of the Harbor City Projects, rounding up anybody that would come and listen to Jesus, just like Lydia down there by the river. And people came. Sister Amy, raise your hand. Laverne, raise your hand, Laverne. Laverne's family was a part of that, that first group way back when. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Look at that. A testimony to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Sister Michelle Soto, who's not here, her sister, is, is, is also a, a testimony to the faithfulness of God that when we trust the Lord, we forget what is behind and we focus on what God is calling us to, which is heavenward in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heaven happens. Miracles happen. I believe God is calling us to new things this year. My, grand, my grandparents said yes to the Lord. Let's do it again. They had to trust God. They had to trust his plan. They had to trust the steps that God was ordering in their lives, even though they were unsure. How many of you ever experience uncertainty? Being unsure? It's okay. It's not bad. It's not a sin. But don't stay there. Trust in God and trust in his word. Amen?